Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Well, stand with me today. We are still in the book of Psalms. Two weeks have turned into our week, and just is the way that the Lord's going to do it, I guess so. Nonetheless, we're going to read verse number three this morning of Psalms 23. It is the, the shepherd psalm, as it is often re, recalled or related to us, the shepherd psalm. David is writing from the vantage point of a, a lamb or a sheep as the Lord as his shepherd. Amen. We'll look at it today. Good to have our guests with us today, the different ones. Good to have Max and his family back with us this morning and Kevin Cruz and all the different ones that are here. We're so thankful for you being here. Amen. Today. Psalms 23, verse 3, just one verse. The Bible says, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake he restoreth my soul he leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake just for a placeholder of a title today i call this restorative righteousness restorative righteousness this morning amen we're going to ask the lord to help us in the next little while that we'll receive something from god's word father we need you today god your word is forever settled in heaven i pray lord today god settle this same word lord in our hearts and our lives help us god to be lord jesus helped and lord instructed and guided lord by the word of the lord today god minister lord to the souls of your people god will not fail to thank you for it in the name of jesus christ that we pray Amen. And you may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. He restoreth, everybody say my, my soul. And when we consider the word restore or restoreth, there's an idea here that's being conveyed. When you think of restore, you're thinking of something that that needs to be returned maybe to a previous state or an original condition. We talk about restoring cars. We're talking about getting it back to its original condition that it was uh, to begin with or something that needs to return to a former state is a restoring. And this was, this was common, this restoring of the sow or the restoring of the sheep was common uh, among the pasture, common among sheep, uh, but neither... Was it uncommon with humanity or with us? It's also common for humanity. We see how David terms it here in the scripture. He said, he restoreth or who restore my soul. But sheep in the mindset of this being a shepherd psalm and there's sheep and a shepherd involved, a sheep might become what they called a cast sheep or a cast down sheep as it's called. And whenever a sheep would become cast or cast down, it would be on its back, all four legs up in the air, just flailing around, unable to get back up, really. A sheep that is on its back is virtually unable to get back up. It's bleeding, bleating, its legs are flailing, and unless somebody helps it or a shepherd helps it, it's going to remain on its back, unable to get up. As a matter of fact, if it remains in that position, the sheep will die. I know that just seems, what? Yeah, it will die. You know, it has these different stomachs, and we talked about that ruminating factor a few weeks ago. Uh, That gas begins to build up in its stomach, and it will actually cut off the air passages in its body. 
and keep it totally uh, unable from getting any air and it will die. And so David, even though as an individual, all right, not uh, if you want to call him a lamb, whatever, but as an individual, David throughout the Psalms on many occurrences asked for help with his cast down soul in the Psalms. We read of it in the Psalms. This was a frequent question that he asked. Psalms 42 and 5 is an example of the question that David would oftentimes pray and ask himself. He would say, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance and so David understood amen as an individual that in his life he was subject to becoming unbalanced sometimes and cast down or cast as a lamb would be in his routine life but he also knew this that his only way out of this of a cast down so he was going to have to look to the Lord because his help came from the Lord his hope came from the Lord if David's soul was going to be restored it was going to need some outside intervention in order for this to take place and so in that cast down position for lambs that that gas in their stomachs are building up and cutting off the passageways with eventually suffocate them but that isn't the only reason being cast down was dangerous or uh, that it made a sheep vulnerable Uh, it was also dangerous because when a lamb is cast down there are always lurking predators about sheep there's always predators looking for an opportunity to attack and they are particularly going to look for a time when the sheep are cast down When they are cast down, helpless, unable to get up on their own, might we say easy prey, that's a big opportunity for the predator to come in, snag a lamb, devour a lamb. They, they, if I could say like this, predators waited for moments like these. Predators waited for moments when sheep would be on their back, unable to get up. We, we see that this is true. You, you've read perhaps the story of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, Daniel's in a very high position in Babylon. He's serving. He's praying every day. He's given his diligence to the Lord. And the Bible tells us that some other people that served alongside, if not under him, the presidents and the princes, as they were called, that they sought an occasion against Daniel. What I'm saying is there's always going to be enemies that are just looking for the opportunity. There's always enemies looking for the occasion. And though in Daniel's case, uh, the presidents and the princes never found that weakening of his conviction or him with his feet in the air, so to speak, they still sought it. They still sought an occasion. And the enemy of your soul, the enemy of your soul is seeking the opportunity when you are down. When you are helpless, when you are in a position that you are easy prey for the adversary of your soul. The case was different uh, with, with David, with King David. The case was different concerning between him and Daniel. But the Bible says whenever prophet Nathan came to David and began to talk to him about the deed he had done, which was to commit adultery with Bathsheba, that whenever he spoke to him and about that and also the murder of Uriah and all the plan and strategy that went into that, he told David, the prophet told David, he said, great, you have given a great occasion 
to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. You know what he's saying? He's saying, in this position, you've opened yourself up for occasion of the adversary to take advantage of the situation that you're in. Take advantage of the position that you're in because our enemy, again, watches for opportunities. The Bible says for Satan to get an advantage of us. Is looking for a, a way, a means, an inroad to take advantage of us, as Paul said. He wants an easy target. He wants to take a pot shot at you. Yeah. Amen. And so when you are in the cast down or the cast position, as lambs would often get, amen, they will find themselves then in a place of vulnerability. Now, what leads, this is important today, what leads to a lamb getting into the cast down or the cast position. From my reading, what, 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 what led a lamb getting to that place is that they will find a place in the ground that is a little bit hollowed out spot in the ground and they will get down there and they will lay down and they'll get comfortable in this hollowed out spot that they're lying in, but since it's hollowed out and they become comfortable, Sister uh, uh, Cox, it's easy then for them to roll over from their side to their back. With their legs in the air, they were fine on their side, but on their back, it's a whole different game. And they were just finding that spot because it was a comfortable spot to lay in. But it put them eventually into a vulnerable position. So the lamb got into a cast down position because it all started with them accepting a comfortable position that was easy to go from safety to being defenseless. I don't know if anybody hears what I'm talking about right now, but they put themselves in a place that it would be easy to roll from safety to being defenseless because here's the fact of the matter a sheep that cannot stand on their feet become easy prey perhaps that's one reason why Paul told the saints at Corinth he said stand fast in the faith and I know the metaphor and the, and the context is different and he's talking to us about uh, soldier terminology in Ephesians 6, but he told them to stand fast. He said, when you've done all to stand, stand. Yeah. What, what, what's he telling them? He said, you don't want to get into a position that m will make or create vulnerability for you and your safety. When you've done all to stand, to stand. They needed to position themselves in an area that did not lend itself to a compromised position, to a vulnerable position. They needed some safe footing, right? Because here's the fact, even as Christians today, we don't want to trade off safety for comfort. And so they, a sheep could find itself in a cast-down position as a result of this. Something else, though, that could get a sheep in a cast-down position is because they're weighed down a little too much. There's too much wool upon their body. And as a result of too much wool on their body, that wool collects a lot of un other unnecessary things on it, especially at certain seasons. Mud gets matted in the wool. 
as gross as it may be, manure gets matted in the wool, burrs on the ground, debris in the area begins to collect on the wool. You've all seen the pictures probably on social media before, a poor little lamb there that's got this huge old thing of wool and all this garbage in it and talking about the pounds upon pounds whenever they sheared it that came off of that lamb because everything that collected on its wool. And a good shepherd, yes, a good shepherd will, will keep the, the wool of his sheep sanitary. He'll do his best to keep it clean. But sometimes the best way to take care of that is by shearing the sheep to alleviate the weight, all right? Or to at least keep the wool from gathering mud and manure and debris and everything else. Sometimes the best answer is shearing the sheep. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews concerning us as Christians, and he's talking in the context of, of, about a race, the race that the Olympians would run. He said in Hebrews, he said, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. Amen. I've said it before. Some things that you may need to uh, dismiss from your life may not necessarily be a sin, but to you it's a weight. It weighs you down. It, 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 it stymies your progress. It keeps you from being what you need to be. Amen. And if that's the case, that's a weight that you need to just let go of. That's a weight that you just need to let go of. A good shepherd, he's going to try his best foremost to attempt to prevent any matted wool on his sheep. But if it happens, he's going to get rid of that extra weight, amen, and by setting it aside, by shearing the sheep. He's not killing the sheep. Please note, he's not killing the sheep. He's just removing what's not necessary for the sheep. He's laying that aside. And so... That, that excess, that excess weight comes from what collects in the wool and from, from, from also, from also, <laughs> there's some excess weight sometimes that need to be getting, gotten rid of on lambs because they become too fat. Now, I'm not, listen, we're, we're like natural and spiritual, okay? On a lamb, it's got too much weight on it. And when they're like that, they're, 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 they're not as healthy as they need to be, not as productive as they need to be, and they're more apt if they lay down, they're going to roll over. So you got to get rid of the excess. Simply said, you got to get rid of the excess. And so as saints, as Christians, we got to steer clear of things that will collect on us. Because we walk in a real world. Huh? The, the, the streets, mud... Of that day, it's not like they had highways with asphalt and lines and all that. Mud, a lot of the same streets were used for people to put their livestock through. There's manure. That's the reason when people entered homes, they're washing feet. Because there's just stuff that collect on individuals just by simply walking in this world. It's not like you have to pick it up and necessarily put it on there. It collects on there just simply by walking in this world. And so we got to steer clear of some of the things that will collect on us and weigh us down because the reality is they don't serve us any real benefit. Amen. All these what we might call unneeded things just need to be laid aside. Why? Because it makes our journey a little more difficult. Amen. It makes our journey a little more difficult. It, it creates a risk when we're down. Huh? Because when you're down... 
down, when you're depressed, guess what? All the weight of the world just comes crashing in. You catastrophize, everything's wrong. Mm-hmm. You don't need anything extra because it's going to just be something else to push you that much more down. Unnecessary weight. It's, it's, it's needless for us saints. What are you talking about unnecessary? Well, when I talk about unnecessary weight, it might be when your arboring hurts, that's excessive weight. When your arboring bad attitudes, that's excessive weight. When your arboring unforgiveness, that's excessive weight. When you got some grudges that are unresolved, that's excessive weight. When you got envy and covetousness and gossip, that's excessive weight. When there's backstabbing and slander, that's excessive weight. That's stuff that's just going to weigh you down and it'll cause a spiral downward for the health of your Christian life. It's needless. Huh? <laughs> Got too much, too much weight on us as Christians, and I'm not talking about a, in a real sense, but amen, too much weight on us. We have too much wool, and all of that is nothing but self-destructive. It's self-destructive. Amen. There are two personal items about the sheep that could be their downfall. And that is stuff that they pick up along the way and stuff that they put upon themselves. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse number 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. What I understand today is this, that there is hope for being cast down. There is hope for having failed. There is an escape. But the fact is, it's found in the faithful God. It's found in the faithful shepherd. He restoreth my soul. No lamb on its back is going to get up by itself. He restoreth my soul. There's no person that falleth, amen, that it won't be a faithful God coming along to provide a way of an escape. He restoreth my soul. Sometimes he'll take shearing, and that's a little nervous spot when the shears are coming close to your skin. But sometimes it comes through shearing, and other times it needs to come through our own moderation. Huh? He will help us bear the load without jeopardizing our life. He restoreth our soul. Amen. And he leadeth us in paths of righteousness. Once again, we come upon this leading aspect. We've already seen it in verse number two, that he leadeth us beside still waters. But now it says that he leadeth us in paths of righteousness and we take comfort and we are thankful again that we have a shepherd that leads us rather than drives us. Shepherd that leads us rather than drives us. The Hebrew language states it like this, that he leads men in the right paths. Righteousness, right paths. And sheep have to... Learn the right paths early because sheep are creatures of habit. They're creatures of habit. If they did it one way, they're going to do it again. They walk one path, they're going to walk that path again. So they got to learn the right paths early because if they start out wrong path, 
they'll habitually do the wrong path. So it's important for them to learn the right path early because they're going to follow the same trail. They say that the sheep will follow that same trail until they turn that trail into a rut. And that's positive as long as it's the right path. It's just like sometimes, you know, we always talk about, you know, sometimes the kids growing up and they're, uh, they got a strong will or they're stubborn, you know, and that's not necessarily a negative thing as long as it's directed the right direction. And so this habitual thing of turning a path into a rut, all that's good and fine as long as the, the, the right objective is being met, as long as the right habit is being formed. And so here's the fact for us as Christians then, if we're, we, we are compared to the sheep uh, a metaphor, if we, if we start down the right paths, if we'll follow his lead in something that we try uh, to, to, to garner and try to encourage, amen, people that become new converts and start a walk with the Lord, we try to encourage uh, daily prayer because we believe it's biblical and, and, and there's fasting and devotion to God. The reason why we do these things is because we're trying to help people start on a right path. And if it will become a routine part of their life and it'll become habitual for them, amen, that's a good rut to put in the ground amen I, I don't think it'd be uh, any uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for I don't think it would be any mark against a person that said you know what they just have devotion with God every day okay and the problem is huh amen become a part of their daily lives amen that's why we, we, we underscore and we preach about and we teach about prayer and fasting and devotion and Bible reading. Why? Because those are spiritual disciplines, amen, that need to be the right path that we're led down, right? We're trying to advocate good paths, good habits, correct paths. Because if you'll get started on it, sowed to it, follow it, it can become habitual. Is that to say you're never going to steer off the path? No. But I'm going to say there's a greater likelihood that you might stay with it than depart from it. I'm just saying maybe it increases the chances a little bit if they're led down these type of paths. Jeremiah 20 and verse number 23, or Jeremiah 10 and verse 23 says, Oh Lord, he says, Oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. I know you think you know what's best for you. You don't. There's not a sheep on the earth that does. They'll be over a cliff, over a precipice. They'll be dead if it wasn't for the leading of a shepherd. I know you think you know what's best for your life. Or you got your, your path chartered out. Listen, it's not in you according to the Bible to direct your own steps. The way of man is not in himself. With good intent, this verse, this verse in Jeremiah follows a word of the Lord that was spoken to the nation of Israel. The Lord was speaking to the nation of Israel. And Israel was advised this. You can read this in, in the beginning of this chapter, like verses 1 and 2. This is what Israel was advised from the Lord. He told them, he said, learn not the way of the heathen. Look, the way. Learn not the way of the heathen. He said, for their customs, the customs of those people are vain. He says, don't, don't, don't get your indication. Don't get your direction from the heathen. And don't get your path from them. 
them, their customs are vain. Their customs are fruitless. Their customs will not add anything to your life. He said their gods, little G-O-D-S, their gods are the work of cunning men. Jeremiah says, listen, after saying all that, he says, I want you to know that the way of man is not in himself. For that matter, the way of man is not in the other men around him. Amen. Regardless of how cunning the men are or may, how cunning you may think you are, your way is not in yourself. He said, I don't care how educated you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care. I don't care what your pedigree is. I don't care. You don't know your own way. You don't. God says none, none of his children are around. This he's continuing to talk about Israel as his children. He says none of my children are around. Here in Jeremiah of that verse, he said none of my children are around to set up the tabernacle. You know why? He said they've all left. He said none of them are around to set up the house of worship. Every one of them have left. They have scattered. And here's the terminology. He goes back to the sheep metaphor in verse 21. He said they're scattered as flocks do. He said they're just like sheep. They're all scattered here. Here, helter and kelter. He says, and man cannot direct his steps because if man tries to direct his steps, ultimately and eventually, they will lead him away from God. They'll lead him away from the house of worship. They'll lead him away from the true God. They'll abandon me. Man devising, directing, he'll abandon me. Another verse that emphasizes this aspect that we don't have it all together concerning our own way. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right. That seems like a right path. That seems like a righteous path. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. You know what's sad? What's sad? We can be duped and following a path that we absolutely believe is right and not pick up on how wrong it is until we've reached its end. Why is it then it is that Jesus says, first and foremost, in Matthew 24, when are the disciples say, Lord, when will the end come? When, are, when shall these things come to pass? And the first thing that out of his mouth was, is be careful, he said, for the deception that's in the world. Before he started talking about wars and rumors of wars or any other things, the first thing he said, he said, beware of deception. Beware of deceivers. Why? Because we can be deceived in our own mind. This is right. This is good. There's nothing wrong with this. This is okay. And not until we get to the end, really. It was damnation. It was, it was the ways of, what is that? You've been deceived. And sometimes we deceive ourselves. However, on the other side of the coin, Scripture says in Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Verse 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Look at it. He shall not utterly be cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You know what he's saying? Even when you're on the right path, there'll be times you'll be subject to being cast down just like the little lamb. But the good news for you is this. The Lord is there. He will uphold you. He will help you back up. That's how when you fall, you shall arise, as Malachi said. Amen. He's a restorer of our soul. 
And he leads us in paths of righteousness. And that's the reason why this morning I said my topic was restorative righteousness. Because when you're walking his path, though you may fall, he's there to restore. Amen. Why wouldn't a man delight in the way of the Lord? Why wouldn't a man delight in that? In the psalm? The shepherd's leading the green pastures to steal waters, to write paths. Huh? When he leads the way, if and when we fall, it doesn't say we'll never fall, right? It says in the scripture there in Psalms 37, though he fall. Doesn't say he'll never fall, but it says though he does. <laughs> He's not helpless because the shepherd will uplift him with his arm. Sheep still fall, though they have the benefit of a good shepherd. But they won't be, as the psalmist said, utterly cast down. They won't be utterly cast down. The Lord is there to help them back up, nudge them out of that vulnerable position of the hollowed spot in the ground that they rode over at. Here's the fact of the matter. He said paths. Everybody say paths. Paths. Of righteousness. We're on a journey from righteous path to righteous path. Paths translated here in the scripture as well worn paths, ruts, just as sheep and lambs can make if they get habitual at traveling, traveling the same old paths. I'll say this this morning. So while it is essential to travel the right paths, it is just as much essential to move from that path to another right path. What are you saying? I'm saying in this process, we need to graduate from one right course to another right course. And let me break down what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter number 6 and verse number 1, the Bible says these words, Therefore, Leaving the principles, and the word leaving there is not in the sense of abandoning, but basically going on. They're like part of my foundation, but there's some other things that need to be built. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, which is not meaning perfect, but onto wholeness, completeness, onto maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, the plurality there is, of course, spirit baptism, water baptism, and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Now, when you look at verse number one, it says, therefore, leaving the principles. Again, when you see a therefore, you need to see what it is there for. And so we go back to chapter number five of Hebrews and we begin to read it there toward the end. And in the closure of chapter five, mention was made that some of them, some of them was at that stage in their walk with God where they should have been teachers. That's what the Bible says. They should have been teachers, but they weren't. They were in a place as though they needed to be taught again. They should have been teachers. In other words, they should have been at this level but they were still at this level. The, the pupil should have become a, 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 a teacher. The student should have become a teacher, but he's still a student. 
He says, some of you are at that stage. And he says, instead, it seems as though you need to be taught again. And he says, you need to be taught. You look at it in verse 12 of of Hebrews 5, 12. He says, and they need to be taught the first principles, first principles of the oracles of God. Seemingly again. He goes on and says that these same people should have been those that had advanced from the milk of God's word to the strong meat of God's word, meaning they should have went from just the general principles of God's word to some more in-depth principles and doctrines of God's word. But if we just put it in just like baby and, and adult terminology, they were stuck on the bottle. Couldn't wean them off the bottle. They're ready for rice, but they're not letting go of the bottle. Or they got the rice and they're ready for some meat, but they're not. Go- they're stuck. And he says, so they're they're stuck on the bottle. They're they're not progressing. They're not developing correctly. And he said in verse number 14 of Hebrews 5, strong meat belongs to them that are of full age or at least to them that have matured. And so he says now in the first verse of chapter 6 then, therefore, after saying all of that, therefore, he's talking to those that haven't matured. He's talking to those that should be teachers but are not. He's saying, therefore, he says, leave, not abandon, but build up on the principles of the doctrine of Christ and go on to completeness, go on to wholeness, go on to maturity. They need, you know what he's telling them? You need to grow up. You need to grow up. You can only drink the bottle so long. You can only have rice so long. Somewhere along the way, you got to grow up. You can only circle certain principles and things that have been taught to you a thousand times so long. You should be teachers, but you're still students. You need to grow up. You need to grow up. You need to build upon these things that you already know. You need to walk as an adult. Listen, as an adult, I still remember how to crawl. I know how to crawl. I know how to roll over. And if there's specific episodes that deem that, I'm going to. But mostly as an adult, I walk. Somebody needs to get off their hands and knees and start walking. Somebody needs to get off their belly and start walking. Occasions will necessitate that. But by and large, you need to walk. Sheep can gnaw at grass to the ground until the very roots are damaged. They can totally decimate a ground if they're kept there. But the best safeguard for a land that would be impoverished by sheep just gnawing, 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 gnawing to keep them from being diseased. You know what they say? The best, the best safeguard is you got to keep sheep on the move. One right path to another right path. One path of righteousness to another path of righteousness. You need to keep them on the move. They must not stay on the same ground too long. It's important. It brought nourishment to them, but there's other nourishment to be had. There's other nourishment to be had. They need to go on. There's other pastures that they need nutrients from. It's not to say they'll never visit that pasture again. They will. But if they stay there, they're going to be 
take that thing to the roots when there's more than that that they need. It's more for them to discover. Listen, if you initially repent of your sins, that's great. That's wonderful. That's necessary. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. He says, go on. He said, don't lay again the foundation of repentance. He says, uh, you know, some people just go out and just keep repenting over, over the same thing, same thing. Maybe they can't let go of it themselves. Maybe they feel like they don't deserve. But he's saying, you got to go on. You've laid that foundation. Go on to the doctrine of baptisms. Huh? Water baptism and spirit baptism. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. He's telling us to keep on maturing, keep growing, keep discovering all that God has for you as God permits. And I guarantee you, he's a permissible God when it comes to growing in the right ways and the right paths of his nature and his name and his character. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea, they went to the Mount of God. Moses went up there and got the commandments from the Lord, came down, so here he has the commandments. He has the, he has the pattern to the tabernacle in the wilderness. And the Bible says they came out of Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. They come to the Mount of God. And they're there for almost an entire year. Now the will of God for them was this. I'm going to bring you out of Egypt to bring you into the promised land. Getting out of Egypt wasn't the end of the will. But they came to the Mount of God and they stayed there almost for an entire year. So God's will didn't just include their deliverance and included their entrance into the promised land. But they were living their lives for a year at the Mount of God. At the Mount of God. Their heyday right here of being delivered. Salvation, if you will, from the Egyptian past. They're at the Mount of God. But by staying right there, they were neglecting the promise that was also theirs. They weren't there yet. And the Spirit of the Lord came then in Deuteronomy 2 and verse number 2 and said, And the Lord spake unto me, saying, Ye have compassed this mountain long enough. You've been here long enough. I brought you out to bring you in. Don't get stuck in between. There's more for you. You've been here long enough. Turn northward. What's he saying? Go on. Go to completeness. Go to wholeness. Grow up. Mature. There's more. So he leads us in paths from one path to another path that is a right path. They're, in, they're, in, they're, 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 they're by degrees. It's, it's means of, of growth. It's means of development. For his name's sake. For his name's sake. I wish I could tell you that sheep always followed the leading of their shepherd. But it don't happen. I want to tell you that they always were focused on the right paths. But it don't always happen. That ain't always true. Isaiah said, and I believe I said it a few weeks ago, that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, which is not in man to direct or order his own steps. So getting sheep on the right path, yes, absolutely vital. I read a story in the process of weeks that we've been doing this. I read a story about a sheep that, that always wanted the other side of the fence. 
no matter how good its course was, no matter how good the pasture was that the shepherd had found for that sheep, that, that lamb would always bail on the other side of the fence, so to speak. And so her tendencies, though, had a domino effect on others that around her. Because she being a sheep and having young lambs, what that taught then her lambs was the same tricks. Always wanting something else. And then not only that, her leadership also influenced other sheep that were around about her. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But look at the scripture, Proverbs 13, verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. He that walketh with wise men shall be, not yet, but will be wise. It's the old phrase that we use, birds of a feather. Or you will become what you walk with. Or you will become what you follow. What Jesus say? Follow me and I'll make you. They weren't yet, but if they followed him, they would be. And so you become what you follow. And so getting on the right path impacts generations. It impacts this generation. It impacts others. Sheep, they tell me, I'm, I'm not a farmer of sheep. I have farmed pigs. But sheep, amen, have a strong instinct to follow sheep in front of them. They have such a strong instinct just to follow the next sheep in front of them, even if it's to a slaughtering house. They're just going to follow who's ever in front of them. So it's important then that the sheep are following the shepherd and that the sheep are following the right paths because it's not just that sheep that is at jeopardy. But it's everyone that sheep is in front of. That's at jeopardy. Is this okay this morning? This is the reason why, please hear me. This is the reason why that we have certain guidelines here at the church for people serving in certain capacities. Because we can't just put any sheep in front of other sheep. We just can't put any sheep in front of other sheep because whoever they are in front of, they're going to follow. No questions asked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why are you doing that, brother? Why? Well, that's crazy for this or that. I and mean, that's crazy why this qualification, that qualification. No, 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 it's not. Because as a shepherd, as a shepherd, an under-shepherd to the shepherd, as a shepherd... I understand where they're leading, there's others following. And, and I pray to God, I'm trying to give account someday that the right paths were presented, the right way was presented, the right doctrine was presented, and everybody, I'm going to stand before some God someday, and he's going to say, what paths did you lead them on? Paul said, you can follow me as I follow Christ. Paul wasn't being arrogant. Paul wasn't being the numbskull. Paul just had confidence in his shepherd. He says, as long as I follow him, you can follow me. But the moment I quit following him, you can't depend upon me. Folks, I got to have people that I can depend upon that's following the shepherd because there's others behind them that are looking to them. We don't live, these are not islands of our own that we're living our lives by ourselves. There is influence. 
You are influencing someone for the better or for the worst. You are. He says, he says, these, these sheep would have instinct, strong instinct to follow the sheep that's right in front of them. How do you restore souls, souls, shepherd? How do you restore souls, God? In part, by getting them started on the right paths. And he does this, Sister Cox, for his name's sake. I'm his sheep. (laughs) And when we become sheep of Jesus' pasture, and you go down the watery grain of baptism and you take on his name, Whatever you do reflects upon him. Huh? Right? You've heard people say it before. You know, people just, well, that's the, whatever. That's the, that's the Kraus name. You know, people get married and then something happens. Honey, you're part of whatever, you're part of the Kraus family. That's the Kraus name. Because they do something stupid. What are they saying? They're saying now you don't, you don't just represent yourself. You represent what you've become a part of. That's a, you know what the Lord is saying. He said, I'm doing this for my namesake. God leads us in paths of righteousness because he has a name to uphold. Huh? He does these things for his namesake. Amen. It's for his glory. It's for his reputation. It's for his character. It's for his honor. Amen. Upon our lives. Because listen, whenever people are going to come to buy wool for making into clothing or fabric, if the shepherd has a good name, that goes a long distance. Because the people automatically know where to get their wool whenever the shepherd has a good name. Because if you go to the market and you find this wool and there, you know, there's nothing been done with it. It's matted with manure and mud and burrs and all this stuff. Forget it. I'm going over here where this wool doesn't have all of that. Well, how, how did this one keep from it and that one got it? Well, this shepherd over here made sure that this sheep was lightened of excess weight. This shepherd made sure that they were walking good paths. Where this one over here probably didn't care less. Let them got bogged down. Let them get cast. Let them just walk wherever they wanted to. Get in the rut and make a mud puddle. What's the difference? The quality and character of the shepherd. And so you can base the quality of the sheep based upon the quality of the shepherd. And God says, I'm not having my name defamed by you. I'm doing all of this for my namesake. I'm making sure the right path is there, the water is there, this is there. Because when it's all said and done, I have a name that's on you that's going to be upheld. It's You don't live your life for yourself. You lost that privilege when he purchased the church with his blood. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof in them that dwell therein. Listen, listen. You're his by creation. Uh You're his by redemption. And you're his by indwelling. You've lost ownership. And listen, I was glad to do it. You know why? Because it's kind of like the difference between owning a house and renting a house. When something breaks down in the house I own, guess what? I fix it. 
When the roof leaks, I pay for it getting fixed. When the foundation is shambles, I got to take care of it. But if I'm renting the home, I say, landowner, said, I got this problem. He says, I'll take care of it this week. That money came out of his, out of his pocket and that burden was upon him. Honey, whenever you don't own yourself, whatever's going on, you say, God, I got a problem. That's a and I just say landowner landowner I got a problem today it's at his expense it's his burden it's his he's got a name to uphold what type of reputation would some shepherd over in Palestine earn if everyone knew he was careless and irresponsible with his sheep I'm not offended by any of that. I appreciate that. The shepherd with a good name will lead again. Good pastures, nice watering spots, safe paths. He'll look after his sheep because his good name dictates it. You can stand with me. I'm coming to a close. A few different scriptures say this, and I, mean, I won't give you the reference where they're all at. If you want them, come to me after church, but... Scripture says that his name is excellent in all the earth. He has a name that is above every name. It is a name worthy of praise. It is a glorious name. That excellence, that honor, that glory are showcased, no doubt, in the care then that he gives his sheep. We are, we are just displayed as extensions of his great name. His name's on us. When you go to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and you read in chapter number 17 of a great whore that the scripture speaks of, which is the spirit of Babylon, the mother of harlots in the book of Revelation. The Bible says upon her her forehead is a name that is written that describes her as Babylon, the great mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. The Bible speaks to us in the book of Revelation that those who worship the beast and his image are said to have a mark or the number of his name, 666, or the name of the beast on their foreheads. However, Scripture also says in the book of Revelation that he that overcomes, the Bible says, will have written upon him the name of his God. Because when this thing is all over and the elements have dissolved, your overcoming and staying power will be because of his name's sake. So this morning, go on and call me his. That doesn't disappoint me. Tell me I'm not my own. That doesn't bother me. I'm, as David said, the Lord is my shepherd. So when I get cast down, he'll help me. He'll even try to prevent it by keeping the excess weight off of me. He'll restore my soul because that's ultimately what it is. David didn't say he restoreth my life or he restoreth my being because the real crux of the matter of every individual that's a part of this network called humanity, we all have a soul. And going beyond your physical body, is the soul. Because Bishop does not, the gospel tells us, who cares if the body be destroyed? Don't fear the one that can destroy the body. Fear the one that can destroy the body and soul. David knew what he was saying then when he said he restoreth my soul. So this body can be lame and this body can be 
torn apart, but I need a soul that's intact. Sister McGee just said it this week. We were talking about something. I was talking about something that I, that I heard, and, and she brought up the Scripture, how Scripture says, you know, you'd rather enter into heaven, you know, maimed than enter into hell whole. And what I was telling her about, I, I've been watching this kind of documentary type thing on, on uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, and, uh, the, and you've heard of her, no doubt, uh, on religious programming. She's a paraplegic, had a diving accident when she was young that put her in that place, severed her, 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 her um, spinal cord and put her in a wheelchair. And uh, as a result of all this, uh, she used to do art prior to that accident. And uh, the therapist told her, said, you still have all that art in your head. You just got to learn how to divert it from hands now to your mouth. And she painted and used charcoals and stuff with her mouth. And artistry was tremendous. Her dad ended up taking her artwork having been done with her mouth, put it on an exhibit, had money, uh, was selling them and stuff, and it was just great. Anyway, long story short, she came across a soldier that had been in Vietnam, and he was talking to her how, you know, we just don't foresee what happens in life. She's a paraplegic, and he had one eye that was gone from war, and he's kind of feeling kind of sorry about himself, and a, a, a epiphany came up on her in that moment, and she told him while she was sitting in that wheelchair this. She says, you know what? She says, I'd rather be confined to this chair knowing God than to stand on my own two feet without him. You know what she's saying? It goes beyond the body. It goes to the depths of the soul. I need a shepherd that can restore my soul. If we bow our heads all over this place today and you know the practice, these altars are open for an altar call. If you need to find a place to pray, maybe you're like a cast lamb today. Maybe you're on your back. Amen. Things have you in such a place you are vulnerable and your legs and your life is just just flailing everywhere. Maybe you're bleeding out. You feel hopeless. The predators are lurking all around you for a, a pot shot or for an advantage of you. And maybe you need the Lord to walk alongside you today and help you back up. Maybe you need him to reestablish you on your feet this morning. He's here to do that. He's a restorer of your soul. Maybe, maybe you've been one of those that's been tending to go down different paths and different avenues and you've, you've not followed the right paths that he's set you on or, or you'll just follow that same path over and over and you'll not grow into any other path there will be no other degree of growth you will not mature and you need the help of the Lord today he'll help you he'll help you nudge you along the way he'll he'll help guide you along the way he'll help lead you along the way if you'll give yourself to him he'll be your shepherd amen if you got your his name upon your life man he has his name to protect in your life hallelujah he's here this morning he can do a restorative work it might be a restorative work through his righteousness through his right paths, his right ways. Hallelujah. It's because of the mercies of the Lord. Amen. But the scripture said that we are not consumed. And those mercies, the Bible says, are new every morning. It's because of God's mercies that we are not consumed. He can restore your soul today. I'm not just talking, I'm, I'm saying beyond the body. I'm saying beyond your body, beyond your physical health. He can restore your soul. He can reach into the very place that no physician, no other individual on earth can reach. He can reach. And he can do a restorative work right there upon your soul. Fall in love with your shepherd. Fall in love with your shepherd. 
And know that if his hands are upon you and you're like, oh, I just don't know about this. And, and this feels weird or this feels whatever. And oh, this, oh, he's shearing me. I'm sure that feels quite vulnerable too for a lamb. But you got to know that what he's doing for you, he's doing for your benefit. So I just don't seem right or don't feel right or I just don't know or I'm afraid. Listen, you're in the hands of the shepherd. His name is on the line in your life. Do you think he's really going to jeopardize doing something to you negatively when his name is on you? Somebody just needs to cast off some weight today. Somebody needs to cast off some weight. Brother McGee, I, I find myself in that comfortable position all times rolling over and I, I just need to cast off some weight. There's some things that have collected in my life. There's some things that have collected in my life. Some of them, wittingly, I've known it's happened and others have happened. It seemed like I'm, I'm not even been aware of it. It's just collected in my life. You need to lay aside some weight today. You need to lay aside some weight. It may be besetting you. It may make you more prone to being cast down. God is here today. Listen, I know, folks, it's like, oh, and I know some of the things I said this morning were pretty strong. I understand all of that. But listen, just... Just as a pastor today, again, I'm not doing this to, to beat you up. I'm not doing this to hurt you. I'm doing this for our benefit, your benefit. I'm to the best of my ability trying to be the voice of the shepherd on earth for your life. People want a father. The Lord says, I chastise those who I love. And any father that won't chastise his children basically hate his children. He says, I'll chastise those. He, what's he just saying? I'll discipline them. I'll instruct them. I'll give them guidance. Do the kids always like it? No. Is it what's right and best? Yes. Sometimes it takes children reaching adulthood before they can ever look back over their shoulder and say, you know what? Dad was right. What I'm saying is grab a hold of that concept even while you're young in Christ, before you ever even reach adulthood in Christ, that you know what? The shepherd has his back. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.